Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Today we are going to be looking at, um, well actually for these next two weeks, we're going to be thinking together about the topic of Lent, about the season of Lent that we just began uh, this um, this week, as uh, Ash Wednesday started out um, the season of Lent. And uh, for me, it was not really something that I grew up um, practicing or really being aware of at all. And for others, like you grew up and that's part of uh, your tradition. And so um, what we're going to do today, we're going to have a little more interaction uh, and that's going to be, that's going to be part of why you're at your tables. And so what I want you to do is just start this morning by talking amongst yourselves. Like what is your experience with Lent? Is it like something that you love very much and care about and are already like gung-ho about practicing? Or is it like, Lent, I think that was like something I found on my belly button one time. Like, what, what, what do we got? Uh, so, so take just a couple minutes and talk about just what your experience with Lent is. You either have a lot to say about Lent or you're just really excited to get to be with the people around you. And either way, okay, all of the above. That's great. We like that. We like that. All right. So uh, what I wanted to do is... Uh, begin by just like laying out what exactly is Lent? What is this specific season? So uh, I want to pull up the graphic that we used actually at the beginning of Advent um, and and point out like, so Advent is the beginning of the church calendar here um, in this little purple, purple section here. Sorry, John, I didn't warn you that I was going to walk over there. Um, So Lent is now after Christmas, after a little bit of ordinary time. Lent is this season that leads us up to the Easter weekend, that three-day celebration of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter. Uh, and one author I read this week said, the, the glories of Easter weekend, those three days, Jesus dying on our behalf, taking on the sins of the world, being buried, and then raising again on the third day. The beauty of that weekend, it is too rich to just give three days to. And so part of Lent is preparing our hearts, actually, that entire time to, uh, to celebrate and to think about and to mull over those beautiful truths that uh, mark our lives as, as people of faith. So it is this 40-day period um, from here to to Easter weekend. So uh, one, one way of thinking about it, uh, well, yeah, it's just a 40-day season set aside in preparation for Easter. Now, why exactly 40 days? Well, there's a couple of, um, there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, uh, best Sunday school answer ever, why is it 40 days? Jesus. Jesus is the reason that it's 40 days. Jesus fasted for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. And the early church, when thinking about how to prepare for Easter weekend, um, they decided to model their own fasting after that of Jesus. Not a bad idea. When we're thinking about any spiritual discipline, uh, whether it be prayer, uh, reading, fasting, all we are doing is taking 
practices from the life of Jesus and incorporating them into our own lives. We're saying the way that he lived is the way that I want to live. So that's what the early church was doing. This 40-day period, let's use that 40 days as well to prepare for Easter. Now, you may be thinking, you may be doing the math in your head already and say from today until Easter, that's six weeks. Six weeks times seven is 42 for you math whizzes out there. So we're already over 40, like, it, but it began on Wednesday. What, what gives? Okay, so in, uh, in the Catholic tradition, uh, this was a 40-day fast, six days out of the week that set aside Sundays to still, still be a celebration. And I love this because when we are gathered together in worship, we're saying Easter is not the only day of the year that we're going to reserve for celebrating the resurrection. Resurrection, the Easter, the Easter story, the Easter beauty of Christ being raised again. That is true every single week of the year, every day of the year. And so they said, you can fast for six days of this week, but there was actually some pretty strict rules around not fasting on the Sabbath day, on, on Sunday to come together. So, so that's where that came from. So you got six weeks times six days, that's 36 days. And then we go back four days, our Saturday, our Friday, our Thursday, and then back to Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday was this last Wednesday. You might've celebrated it as Valentine's Day, whatever. It's a, a nice little mashup of, <laughs> a nice little mashup of holidays there. I saw one little thing that said, you can't spell Valentine's Day without Lent. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, hopefully you saw that on there. Yeah. We wouldn't really be together if you weren't like groaning at my jokes. So that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So it's this 40-day period modeled after the life of Jesus. I went to an Ash Wednesday service uh, Wednesday night with a friend uh, at Grace Lutheran. And the pastor got up and, and he said, the Ash Wednesday sermon is the easiest and the most difficult sermon of the year to preach. He said, it's the easiest because we had taken, uh, you get the ashes on your, on your forehead. You get um, the imposition of the ashes. You get a little cross on your forehead to be reminded that you are dust and to dust you will return. It's a very good bodily reminder of this season, what this season is supposed to be about. And he said, it's an easy sermon to preach because it's already on your forehead. The sermon is on your forehead. All I have to do is get up here and go, look, there it is. There it is right in front of you. But then he said, it's also the most difficult sermon of the year to preach because the only cross of ashes that you cannot see is the one on your own forehead. And I thought that was just a beautiful way to think about it. The crosses, the ashes being a reminder of, of sorrow, of brokenness, of the things in our lives that separate us from God. And it's easy to be reminded that that is a reality without realizing it is a reality for us as well. Okay. So Jesus fasted for 40 days, but Jesus' 40-day fast is not the first 40-day story in the wilderness in Scripture. Every time Jesus does anything or says anything, we should always kind of be thinking like, what, what play on an Old Testament thing is this now? And in this case, we have two Old Testament figures who spent 40 days out in the wilderness. You have 
Moses first in Exodus 34 when, with the Ten Commandments, which is really kind of the 20 commandments because he broke the first set. Uh, he got a little mad. It's nice to know that characters, like that esteemed characters in Scripture, like get mad and break things sometimes. It's just kind of nice to remember they're humans as well. Um, not that we do that. So Moses was out there for, for 40 days. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah has this woe is me moment out in the wilderness where God comes to him and reminds him that Elisha is coming, that he is not, in fact, the only one who is faithful to God. Oh, woe is me. Nobody else is left. And God comes to him and is like, just all you got to do is look up and you will see other people who are on the same program as you. A good reminder for us as well. But each of these 40-day stories, they have some commonalities. You have individuals in the wilderness, like in a, in a solitary like, place just to be away from the distractions of life and the world. Each of these characters had an intimate like, moment with God, a, a hearing from God like a specific message that wasn't heard at another time. Um, each of them are at a critical juncture in their lives or, and or their ministries. Jesus is right at the outset of his ministry, just getting launched into his uh, ministry with, uh, uh, with the disciples. Moses is right in the thick of his leading of, of Israel and coming up to this all important moment uh, where we get the law and that's supposed to start give some start to give some direction to to who Israel is and Elijah's this passing of the torch moment kind of towards the the sunset of his prophetic career it was always a preparation for what was coming next it was these characters saying you know what I am going to take some time away specifically hear from God in this moment, trusting that God is going to do something. God is going to show up and do something next. Um, one author explains it like this. Each year, the season of Lent asks us to embrace a spiritual gravity, a downward movement of the soul, a turning from our self-sufficiency and sinfulness. In such quiet turning, we are humbled and thus made ready to receive from God a fresh and joyous grace. Whenever we get to fasting, one of the dangers, we, we could do this with any discipline. The danger is always to make it about the discipline itself, to make it about the thing that we're practicing and not the end result, which is intimacy with God. And always, always and forever, intimacy with God is moving us towards a joyous grace. That's why we talked about joy all through, through Advent this, this last year. Uh, we should be, it's not that we always have to put on a happy face. It's not it. It's that over time, as Christ shapes our heart little by little, each and every day, each and every season, that there is more joy coming into our lives. And Lent is a way of saying, I want to prepare for that specifically. Turning from our self-sufficiency and sinfulness. We develop these layers of Teflon around our heart made out of our mental habits of, of self-sufficiency, of thinking, I'm good enough. I've got this on my own. I got here on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. And that sort of posture of heart so removes us from the dependency that God is calling us to, from the lowly place that God wants us to 
acknowledge. And Lent is a way of, uh, it's a touch point for that downward trajectory on which God always meets us. Um, Lent is an opportunity to think about the appetites of our heart, the desires of our heart, and the way that they shape us and shape the way that we uh, view life in the world and God. And um, one of the good ways to one of the ways to think about that is through the fruit of the spirit. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I wanted to um, share a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit and the way that that has helped me in some ways engage with um, Lent and the purpose of Lent. Um, like Joshua was saying, there should be some like direction or purpose to the way that you're engaging with Lent. And I, um, I wasn't one that grew up with Lent. Um, my family, my dad didn't come to know the Lord until I was like eight or nine. Um, and then we were not part of a church that ever practiced Lent or even talked about Lent. So um, my, by the time I got to college, my understanding of Lent was just a period of time where you stopped doing something that you liked and were sad. And so um, I've come to find there's like a lot more goodness and joy and development and growth and intimacy um, in that period of time. And so that's what we want to talk about today. So the fruit of the spirit is, uh, for me, a really good place to start as you're thinking through um, the essentials. What should rightly be characterizing me and my life and what comes out of me as I am more and more filled by the Holy Spirit. So um, I want you to take a look at this passage. This is from Galatians 5. Um, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And in some ways, that is a part of our walking through Lent, is that um, inner crucifixion of some of those desires. Um, so I want you to take a look at that list, those nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is your first invitation to talk with the people at your table. I want you to think through which of those characteristics come most naturally to you. And which of those characteristics do you feel like come least naturally to you? That maybe the people who know you best would not pick that word to describe you. <laughs> so um, we're, I'm considering this. So my, um, I don't know, professional or like long engagement um, in my work life has been with small groups. I love small groups. I love the work that the Lord can do within small groups. And so today we get to have kind of like mini small groups at your table. So thank you for um, engaging with this with us. So um, if you can talk to the people at your table, which characteristic of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5 comes most naturally to you and which one is least natural to you? Okay, talk about it amongst yourselves. Okay, hopefully you all had a chance to share. Um, if you didn't, we'll have another share time. You can maybe pick it back up then. Um, one rule of small groups is that you should never ask your people to be more vulnerable than you're willing to be. So um, I thought I would share, as I looked at this list, I think probably what comes most easily to me, especially if I've taken off guard, would be kindness. Um, that that's kind of the bent of how I um, am in this life. Um, and probably the least natural for me is peace. 
And as we were talking about it, Joshua was saying peace was one of the ones that comes most naturally to me. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so it works out good for me anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so as you think through your engagement with Lint, um, I don't know... You know, if you have already thought about, okay, yes, I want to engage in Lent. Yes, I've decided to give something up. Yes, I've decided to take something on. Or if you just have been like, it's Lent. Um, and that's kind of been your engagement with it so far. Um, as we talked about, um, the original kind of traditional view of Lent did not take into account Sundays. So if you don't take into account Sundays and you started now, you're actually still ahead. You still have a couple of days wiggle room to take on a 40-day practice. So if you decide that's something you want to do, um, there's still time. Um, but I think sometimes as you think through the fruit of the Spirit and how... Um, some things can be more of a challenge. Sometimes that can clarify an area that you may want to engagement during Lent, engage with during Lent. So this is going to be a private exercise. So I think there are note cards on the table or some of you may be taking notes in a journal, but um, I'm gonna ask you to think through your own personal life um, and think through your day and the course of your day. What are the things that you are doing every day or many times a day, the habits in your life that may be contributing to the lack of the fruit of the spirit in your life. So if you say, so if I say, for example, that peace is something that comes the least naturally to me, what are the things that I'm doing in my life every day that is actually feeding that, contributing to that lack of peace in my life? Um, what habits are working against the fruit of the spirit in your life. So I want you to think through that personally. This is not a share with your neighbor thing. Think through personally. What does that look like? Is the content on your screen, whatever that looks like, social media or news outlets or whatever that is, is that content making you more or less loving to your neighbor? Is what you're listening to every day of the week, is that bringing you more or less joy? Are your sleep habits contributing to your level of patience or lack thereof? Are your spending habits resulting in more or less goodness in the world? What are those habits? What are those choices that are working against, kind of making you go upstream as the fruit of the spirit comes alive in you? So I'll let you think about it. Um, write something down. Perhaps this Lent could be an opportunity to fast from one of those things that's working against you um, and give you an opportunity to pick up a practice that would contribute toward that. So traditionally, fasting um, has been related to some sort of food-related thing. So you giving up a certain kind of food, like meat, for example, or giving up a particular meal, such as lunch or... What's happening? I, I just shook my head like, <laughs> not what I'm giving up. <laughs> yeah, we don't Sorry. do that. Um, <laughs> um, or skipping lunch or even fasting on a particular day. Like maybe you fast on Wednesdays or that sort of thing. Um, when my mom was growing up, um, she said their cafeteria during Lent, well, I think all year maybe, only served fish. Um, on Fridays, so um, to kind of keep in that tradition. And so um, I don't know if schools are still doing that, actually, but um, that would be an opportunity in certain ways if you give up a certain type of food. 
Um, but as Lynn Babb says, is that one up on there? Yes, yep. thank you. Um, Christian fasting is the voluntary denial of something for a specific time, for a spiritual purpose. So it really can be any type of thing that you choose to engage with. I think if you choose to give up something food-related, um, every time you want to reach for that thing or every time you make space for that sort of thing in your life, giving that up gives you an opportunity to be like, wait, this is not the only thing that satisfies. God is the one who satisfies. I, this amount of time that I've been given back in my life, I have this time to now engage with the Lord. I have this time to bring my desires before him. I have this time to grow deeper in my intimacy. And um, many scholars would say um, that there's something mysterious about the way fasting sharpens our perception of what God is doing and what God may be saying to us. And I think... Um, we go through the world so often, um, sometimes literally, but figuratively with headphones on, listening to this, that, and all these other voices. And God is speaking to us and God is whispering to us, but it's hard to hear that over the noise and chaos of what we constantly have playing in our ears. And so fasting can be an opportunity to turn that dial down for a season and listen to what the Lord may be saying and make that space for you to be able to hear from him. Um, one of my favorite authors is, um, named Sky Jatani. Um, he does a great, um, daily devotional. If you're interested in something like that, highly recommend it. Um, but he says this, this is precisely what the season of Lent is for. Subtracting distractions and adding disciplines to shape our desires toward God. And so that, um, that's what we seek to do. That's the, the purpose and the intention and the goal with which we would engage Lent. is not that we would just give something up and be sad about it, which sometimes, depending on what you give up, it is sad. Um, but that it would be pushing you deeper and deeper into your life with Christ. And that that emptiness um, that fasting creates, whether that's... Um, a meal or a coffee beverage or some sort of thing that you instinctively reach for or a practice of some kind that you've decided to give up. The space or the emptiness or the desire that that brings um, is, is intended to turn our desires toward God, to alert us of those needs and to strengthen that faith and discernment that we have. So now I'm going to send you back to your group discussions. So if you can gather with your people, think through what are, outside of um, food, potentially, what are, well, it could include food, actually, what are some distractions, addictions, time wasters, those, like, black holes in your life that you're like, what happened? <laughs> I was, it was just 6 o'clock, and now it's 8 o'clock, and I don't know what happened. Um, what are some of those um, distractions that could be something that you might consider giving up for Lent, or could be something someone else should give up for Lent. Could be some, something that the person sitting next to you should consider giving up for Lent. Just yeah. think through some, some um, possible habits that are working against the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So as we've talked about um, fasting, Lent, the types of things you could give up. 
Um, I also want to bring up, um, sometimes it's helpful to think through, um, instead of giving up something, exchanging something. So I think if you, um, if you give up something big, you create a great big vacuous hole in your life. And that sometimes can be really hard to keep up with. Um, so if you're like, I'm going to give up dairy and meat and wheat and sugar and all screens, then pretty soon <laughs> it's going to be really overwhelming for you to keep up with that. And so I, I would encourage you to think through one of those things, one of those habits or one of those foods that you may see as an addiction or something that you regularly go to. Um, give up one of those things and think of something that you could choose to engage with in that space so that you don't just create this giant hole in your life, but you've created a hole that you're now filling with something more positive, filling with something that's actually um, pushing you toward that flourishing, pushing you toward that intimacy um, that is with the eye on whether that's the fruit of the spirit or something that you're kind of um, trying to move toward. So, um, for example, um, my the thing that I've decided to do for Lent, um, my like um, bigger picture goal, word goal, um, I think in some ways is related to faithfulness um, in the fruit of the spirit, but I'm really looking at contentment. And what does it look like for me to be content um, in a season where there are a lot of things that I'm looking forward to and a lot of things that are changing and a lot of um, goodness that I have. Um, but what does it look like for me to be content right here and not constantly be looking too far ahead or too far back or that sort of thing? Um, and so one of those things that I'm choosing to um, engage in, and actually we can hop to the next um, slide. Um, one of the things that I'm choosing to engage in is the, um, I can't touch this, um, is putting some boundaries on my screen time. Um, and I think about, um, you know, M Mason turned six this, this year um, at his birthday, and I, and I think it's because I work with college students, but um, the day he turned six, I was like, he's one third of the way to going to college. <laughs> and I know, like, I, you know, I'm with 18 year olds every day. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're a third of the way there. And I'm, I'm missing it, you know? And so, um, so I've engaged some kind of boundaries on my phone um, because I just, you know, you get, you're like, oh, what is that recipe for those rolls? And then all of a sudden I'm buying a pair of pants and I don't know what happened, <laughs> but they were on sale. So I, um, <laughs> I have put some boundaries on my phone, so I've moved all of the apps that suck me into the last page. You can put boundaries of time that you can get on there on your phone. Um, I heard a speaker say, don't make your smartphone dumb, make your smartphone smarter. Um, so I know somebody who has that like geo whatever on it, so when he walks in his door, certain apps turn off. Um, and you can um, have limit your time. Um, I've also learned from um, a podcast I was listening to, you can turn your phone to grayscale, um, and it almost transforms your phone um, to a newspaper. Um, and so I, I like to think that I'm like better than those like advertising gurus that are out there to suck me in, but I am not better. <laughs> and having, even just having it in grayscale, it's just less interesting to me. And the speaker I was listening to said, having your phone in grayscale reminds you that it's the real world that's in living color, and this is all fake. 
Um, and so it was just, you know, having some of those practices, it's not really taking away that much from me. It's just making it less desirable so that I'm more engaged with the real life that's growing and happening right in front of me. Um, and then one of the things I'm taking on in some ways to fill that place is um, I subscribe to a podcast called Truth's Table, and they're going through the Bible in a, in a year. And so it's just two gals on there that get on there, and they read a little bit of scripture, and they pray, and that's it. Um, but it's about the length of time that it takes me to get ready in the morning. And so I turn it on when I go in and do my hair or whatever. Um, and then I know that I'm filling that space rather than thinking... Um, about something less valuable. Um, I'm just filling that space with truth instead so that I'm starting my day filled with truth instead of filled with something else. And so my hope is that those two practices are pushing me toward a life of deeper contentment. Um, and so I'm hoping that as we think through what that looks like, what we could abstain from that's pushing against the fruit of the spirit and what we could fill that space with that would help us engage with the Holy Spirit, whether that's scripture, time to meditate on the Lord, journaling, prayer, um, walking outside is so good for you. <laughs> if, you're, if you don't have time to do it, I recommend it. Um, giving, gratitude, all of these practices that can help push us in the direction of the fruit of the spirit rather than working against us. So what um, I'd like you to do in our last little time, we're almost done here. Um, if you have already committed to something for Lent, love it. Keep up the good work. <laughs> um, if you have given something up but haven't filled its place with something, I'd encourage you to take this next minute to think through what is a thing that you could engage with over the next 42 days or whatever? Um, that could help push you in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you haven't given up something for Lent, um, I'm, I'd encourage you to think about, it. this is not, this is, we're not doing an advertisement for, for Lent is awesome and you should buy some, but um, it is like a good, um, like rhythmic practice of the Christian year to take some time to think deeply about our habits um, and our longings and our desires and how they push us toward God or pull us back from God. So take a minute to think through, is there something you think would be valuable for you to give up if you haven't already committed to something? And, or either way, um, is there something that you might choose to take on for this next period of days um, as we lead into Easter and lead into the celebration of his crucifixion and resurrection for our new life? All right. As you wrap up that last discussion, I just want to, uh, just to put a couple of little, little caveats out there because it's our human impulse to take uh, a good thing, a good practice, and to either make it absolute or to distort it in, uh, in a way. Um, and so just a couple little reminders about what Lent is. Again, as, as Jen just said, this is not something you have to do. It's not something you have to incorporate into your life. You cannot practice Lent and the gospel is still true. Jesus still loves you very much. Like we just think this is a very helpful way to, uh, to engage this particular season. Practicing Lent is not about being good at fasting, right? It's not, it's, Lent is not something that we are like achieve or like excel at. It's, it's a season that we participate in. Uh, there's, it's so easy to turn this, to Americanize this and turn it into like a little self-improvement program. And it's not that. 
it's an opportunity to turn our attention and our hearts and our souls a little bit more towards God. Okay. So it's not that. It's not about earning favor with God. That part has been sealed already. Like that part is as true right now as it will ever be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's not that God was grumpy with the world. It's not that God was disappointed with you. It's not that God was mad at something. It was out of his deep compassion for us that he sent Christ so that we could so we can now take this period of Lent and reflect upon that. This is not about earning God's favor. It's simply a way of preparing our hearts in a unique way to be ready to celebrate the resurrection when Easter weekend arrives. I'm really excited to get to, to do that, but also to use this specific season um, to think carefully and critically and maybe a little bit more intentionally than we have before um, about um, how we are conducting ourselves, how we are curating our habits, our heart's desires, our heart's appetites uh, in this particular season. Will, uh, as we were saying, can we give from the inside out? Can we give it all actually to Christ? This is maybe just a step towards doing that just a little bit, a little bit more. So thanks for your engagement this morning. Uh, Let's, let's pray. Worship team, you can come on up. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for the ways that you uh, meet us and the ways that um, you just, you make us for seasons, for ins and outs and ups and downs. And I pray that in this particular season, as you are seeking to meet us, that we um, would come with just hearts of tenderness, that we would come with uh, minds that are open to uh, the work that you want to do. God, in those places of our lives where self-sufficiency has crept in and put a barrier between us and the stuff that we can hear from you, uh, would you help us to knock those walls down? Um, And would you just knock them down when we can't really do it on our own? Um, Lord, as, as we fast, as we come upon these moments of of emptiness, of hunger, of a various uh, type. Would you be slowly but surely just like drawing our hearts more towards you? Um, As some part of our lives grows a little bit quiet, would you fill it with your voice? Would you speak and, and give us the ears to hear what it is that you are saying? Jesus, we want, to, we want to hear from you. Spirit, would you lead us? We pray these things in your name. Amen.